Welcome to the One Ounce Pour, the podcast about hobbies, with your host Drew and Tom. And today we are interviewing somebody that is very important to the show because when I was coming up with the idea, I had this person in mind to interview. It is none other than Haley, my sister, and one of my good friends. Say hello. Hello there. Hello there. <laughs> they, they call me Bonesaw. <laughs> I don't know if that's trademarked or not, so you better be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you have it trademarked, then we're good. Yeah, don't worry about it. Sam Raimi's just like, oh, that's mine. (laughs) Did you know Sam Raimi's directing the new uh, Doctor Strange? Yeah, I did know that. They were like, Spider-Man 3 who? It's pretty trippy. (laughs) Okay, anyway, about the podcast. So this podcast is about hobbies. And the reason I came up with it is because I love hobbies and have a lot of them and have mastered none of them. Oh, that's my same issue. Yeah. I think it runs in our family. So (laughs) genetic. Genetic hobbyists. Um, Genetic um, failures or just like coasters. Exactly. Well, I don't know. Remember the last show, Drew. Don't don't say hobbyist. Oh, yeah. That means something weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. then we're not going to say hobbyist. People with hobbies. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, in case you missed the last show, by the way, by the way we had Brandon on the show, and uh, he talked about his hobby. So go on back, click on that show, and uh, give it a listen. It's pretty fun and our inaugural show. But I think today's show is going to one-up it. Um, before we go into today's show, I do have to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I think all six of our listeners were all Tom's friends, if you want to put quotes around that. And I got some complaints about the jokes I made about his looks. Um, I said Tom brings humor, and then I expressed that it was because he's ugly. I don't think that's fair. Uh, most of the people that were there that were defending you all came from, I don't know if I'm looking at this website correctly, OnlyFans? Yeah, Maybe? we had an OnlyFans for my last Okay, uh, all right. You, uh, for my it? last podcast, we had an OnlyFans that we thought would be funny. And let me tell you, if you actually want to get money off of OnlyFans, very tough. And one of the comments here is actually, leave my son alone. I, That's cool. I mean, your mom's one of your OnlyFans on OnlyFans. Mom, dad, stepdad, you know, stepmom. Yeah, that's good. Considering my parents never got divorced, it's kind of weird that I've got step-parents, but you know. All right. To each their own. Yeah. So, right now, do you know what time it is? It's hobby time. Hobby of the week! Hobby of the week. Nice. Tom, start it off. What is your hobby of the week? Oh, so this, you know, and it's kind of tough because, I mean, I really started thinking about it when me and Drew were talking about this. And really, anything could be a hobby. Like, if you watch movies, it's excessively that could be a hobby um but probably one of the bigger hobbies that i have besides cooking is i love to hike like go out be outdoors backpacking it started when i was so my dad was in the marine corps was a captain in the marine corps and from the time i was like 10 he would throw a pack on my back and be like all right come on we're going and we wouldn't go like on easy like mile out mile in hikes no, it was like five miles each way, like 10 mile hikes when you're 10. That got a little bit rough, but I just kind of kept going and kept doing it. And I love getting out and not even necessarily like having a destination, but just going and getting into the wilderness. Granted, sometimes in Utah, that can be a little bit sketchy. Um, even though we don't have the thickest forest like back east, we definitely have some that you can get lost in. And that there have been a couple of times when... Uh, it started to get a little bit darker, uh, a little bit quicker than I'd like, and I've had to uh, bust out those old navigation skills with the compass, but mm. yeah. I, I'm pretty sure your people are known for being able to uh, elaborate off the stars and constellations. That's how you guys found Utah, right? Uh, no, I think that we just kind of kept going until uh, Brigham Young said stop. Mm. And I, I really don't know if I'd call it my people considering how my ancestors put the angel Moroni up on top, and uh, they... <clears throat> 
every time they go into Salt Lake, they get a nice big thing of whiskey to have at home. Hiking while Mormon. I think that's their thing, right? Yeah. You hike out in the woods and drink. Hike so out in no the woods and drink, it. so nobody can see. Yeah. 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 That's what they all don't. <laughs> There's a lot of things down at BYU that you know are hobbies that nobody really talks about. <laughs> Yuck. Um, <laughs> so hiking. <laughs> Let's get into that more. <laughs> Tom. Yes. How does somebody pick up hiking? Um. And I you, know this is self-explanatory. Like you just walk in the woods. You right? literally walk in the woods. <laughs> Maybe read some, you know, Thoreau. I went for a walk in the woods to get inspired, but okay. um, if you really want to get into it, and I guess probably, I mean, anybody can do hiking, but my big thing that I'm, I really love to do, but I just don't have the time to do as much as I'd like is backpacking. So throwing a hundred pound pack on my back and going in deep, um, usually what you need is a, a good solid bag, like a pack, which is anywhere from 100 to like 400 bucks and then you know your sleeping bag your tent if you get real crazy with it you can easily spend about two three grand getting into it but if you want to do it on the cheap you can get into it for about two three hundred bucks um if you have like additional people like kids wife whatever that you need to it's going to start to get expensive but if it's just something for you to kind of clear your head you know for an overnighter or two you could definitely get into it for 150 200 bucks that's not bad no it's not too bad i mean obviously you want to have good shoes and stuff i mean i see people hiking all the time in just clothes that you shouldn't or clothes and shoes that you should not be hiking in like i see people walking out there in flip-flops and when i see people like hiking in flip-flops i literally want to stop and just be like what the hell are you doing like do you realize if you take one fall toes are gone I like how concerned you are about people hiking. It drives me nuts. Well, Do you police the trails? I don't police the trails, no? okay. but I think like, oh, okay, yeah. am I going to have to literally put you on my back on the way out? Because I just you're didn't know if you were going to be like toes. the Karen of Corner Canyons. Corner Canyons Karen. <laughs> Dude, I, the Cottonwoods in the UN is that's where I go. I don't go to Corner Canyon, mainly because Draper City has a terrible trail system. What are you talking? I mountain bike these trails all the time. It's yeah, great. and have you, yeah, the biking is a little bit different because you have you know specific loops. The hikers they send you into all these different paths. Like there's no clear like follow this one path. There is so many forks and they are not well marked. Well, Haley has hiking experience within the Utah boundary. Would so you say? Would yeah. you say that? Um, You've seen Tom before, and he's tried to police you, or? Uh, I would say that I've seen a lot of white Mormon men um, out on the trails. Yes. I don't know how I got this moniker of being the like good Mormon. As you smoke a cigar. As I smoke a cigar, and um, well, you know my past. So. I, I'm a li- I'm a little bit of a Karen when it comes to hiking as well. There's not a lot of trail etiquette, like you know, people going, um, people going up have the right of way. Um, you know, there's not a lot of people who tend to utilize and learn those rules. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody who understands. <laughs> I get it on the mountain bike all the time. Like Jim Jeffrey says, we live in a society, obey the rules. Possibly. No, mountain bikers are the worst people on the trail. You're the people everybody hates. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because I'm having a good time and you're walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... With you, it's even worse because you go flying by screaming something high pitch, and it just a mountain of sweat comes off of you and drenches the hiker you're passing. It's a mist. <laughs> we don't like to be misted, Drew. I'm going fast no. enough that it is atomized around my body and just misted into the face of everybody hiking. <laughs> it's not the mister I'd like to get at Home Depot, Drew. It's, no. It's all right. I mean, just kind of a muskier cigar whiskey scent, but it's all good. Yeah. Well, cool. I would like to talk about my hobby because this it. is my show. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say there's really not a whole lot to hiking. Put on some shoes and go for a walk in the woods. Clear your thoughts. So my hobby is a sad one today. Oh God, what is it? Yeah, and it is because yesterday I officially killed my hobby. What well, one? It was Muay Thai. Oh. Yes. So. Just to give you a little backstory on it, uh, I have been doing some form of martial arts since I was six years old. I started with Cook's Holdo. I then went and did some wrestling. I've done Sambo. I've done Jiu-Jitsu. I've done Judo and uh, boxing, Muay Thai, and I think that's it. I'm just going to make stuff up after that. Uh, (laughs) But last Saturday, I actually got kneed in the ribs 
hard enough that I fractured my rib and bruised my spleen. (laughs) And at 33 with two kids, I kind of made a life choice of saying, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, you're already doing in your liver. You got to protect that spleen. Got to protect my spleen. I've had numerous concussions, so probably getting kicked and hit in the head. Not the best idea. But uh, it's... You're going to be like Reggie Ray and not another teen movie where they have a concussion count and tell your dad, aren't they? (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's hard, though, with a hobby that you really enjoy. That was kind of my only hobby left scenario with (laughs) getting away from the kids and the wife and everything and going and just getting pummeled. Um, so, go ahead. so now you're just listening to everybody else's hobbies because you have nothing left in your life. Exactly. I'm vicariously uh, living through everybody. You finally <laughs> figured out this show. It wasn't that hard, was it? No, not at all. <laughs> I should have just called it Drew Vicariously Lives Through People and Their Hobbies. <laughs> I mean, longer. the problem is why we keep having guests on is you know, Tom's hobbies I don't really want to vicariously live through. So, Hey, you know what? I've got some fun hobbies. Um, Maybe none that are, you know, family appropriate, but I've got some fun hobbies. Yeah, so sidetracking off of that, uh, (laughs) to get into any kind of martial arts, I highly suggest it. Uh, Great workout, great way to kind of get some aggression out and learn to protect yourself if that is your thing. Um, You're never going to stop a bullet, just know that going in. There's no martial art to stop bullets. (laughs) Well, I do have a question for you, Drew, because I thought judo was actually less taxing. Is that something that you could pick up to, you know, at least keep that? Well, judo's like a sport. Judo's like wrestling. Yeah. I mean, it's useful, and you get to know how to throw people and stuff, but it's still kind of a sport. I would say if anybody was interested in getting into that kind of uh, field, find a gym or dojo or whatever they call it. Go in. Make sure it's an instructor you like. Uh, most places offer like a free week or a free class. Try it out. See what you think. If it's something that's too intense for you, do not feel bad. Uh, listen out and go into a different gym where maybe they're not as intense. And yeah, just give it a try because I think anybody that gives it a try will immediately fall in love with something, whether it's grappling or striking. Um, there's something out there for everybody. So I would highly suggest giving that hobby a try. Usually most gyms are like 100 bucks a month max. So it's a it's not that daunting on the wallet to go in and give it a try. But that is my hobby of the week. A sad one, I know. On to happier notes and happier <laughs> scenarios. I am super, 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 super excited. Uh, not just because she's my sister, and I have to say that. But legit, my sister is like one of the most interesting people you will ever meet in your entire life. And I guarantee that fact. And I'm putting a ton of pressure on you, Haley. But I'll tell you what. Every time I question my sister about her hobbies or what she does, I learn something else, and I learn something more impressive. And honestly, like, it it blows my mind. And I can't stress this enough. When I was coming up with this show, I had four people in mind that I was super excited to interview about it because of the craziness that surrounds their hobby. The first one is the first episode, so go listen to Brandon. <laughs> the second one was you, Haley, and you're the second episode. It's like everything's falling into line. This is perfect. Um, so enough of me talking about you. Why don't you talk about you and just do a little bit of bragging, as uncomfortable as it's going to be. Tell people about yourself. I'll interject when necessary and uh, probably say some lies that you'll have to crack. It's okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a little hard for me because uh, while I do love talking about what I do, uh, for the most part, I don't like people. And um, Agreed. Normally, when people ask me what I do, I'll, I'll just lie or say something different, like, oh, social media, or oh, I try to say something that people don't really want to talk more about. Um, so it's kind of, you know, opposite of my normal approach to life. But, but you'll I do anything start... for your brother, right? What? <laughs> I said, but you'll do anything for your brother. You'll you'll talk about things that make you uncomfortable for sure, right? Uh, only because <laughs> you're the father of my niece. <laughs> and um, nephew. You also have a nephew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Nieces <laughs> are more fun yeah. anyway, though, aren't they? <laughs> Maybe when that serial killer haircut grows out, we'll talk again. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie cutters for kids. They'll start them oh, off early. I... What they do is they actually cut their hair 
Then they hand the children the scissors and a rabbit, and they say, go, go home with this rabbit. And then in a week, they call you and say, is the rabbit still alive? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, we didn't do our job. I mean, yeah. That's a little scary, Drew. Don't take kids (laughs) to cookie cutters. So I guess I'll start with the most, uh, I guess, obvious thing about me, which kind of makes me me, which is uh, my love and passion for animals and I guess my whole life has revolved around animals since I can remember. I did not kill the rabbit after I got my hair cut. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, yes. Um, but, I mean, it definitely took off and led to a future of what I do now, which is working at a nonprofit for reptiles, um, specifically with crocodilians and uh, venomous snakes. God bless you because those things terrify the living hell out of me, and I'm not going to lie. My old man, when I was going back to OCS, he said, when you go through the Quigley, which is like a six-foot tunnel, he goes, there's always going to be a cotton mouth there. So don't be the first one through. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'd so, be the first one through. You'd be picking it up and inspecting it. So, <laughs> besides that, you have also yeah. started your own company revolving around rattlesnakes, haven't you? Uh, yeah, so I've owned my my business in Utah for the past seven years. Um, Can we give a shout out to it? Oh yeah, Utah Rattlesnake Avoidance. Utah Rattlesnake Avoidance dot com. If you or a pet or a loved one needs to not get near a rattlesnake <laughs> and you can't figure out how not to get near a rattlesnake, Utah Rattlesnake Avoidance dot com. E- yeah. I hey, definitely... wait. Sorry, not to keep interrupting. Can that be yes. a sponsor of our show? We don't have a sponsor. Oh, I will give you nothing. But I, we don't expect anything. We just want to sound legit. I mean, you've been around enough when I have to drop my rattlesnake off at the house. So yeah. This show is brought to you by UtahRattlesnakeAvoidance.com. If your dog is dumb enough to get near a rattlesnake, Haley will train it not to. Yeah, I'll send you a little clip of it rattling. You can play that too. There you go. Ooh, what if our intro music? No, that doesn't make any sense. But wait, <laughs> no, hold on. Not. I actually just looked you up. You're the fourth on Google when you type in Utah rattlesnake. But boom. Oh, well, Why is she not number one? Why are you not number one? It uh, went like species and. Yeah, I don't really try that hard. <clears throat> That's okay. Uh, but that definitely started because my love and passion for rattlesnakes uh, kind of interge- intersected with my love and passion for dogs. And so I decided to create an ethical um, version of rattlesnake avoidance for dogs because what a lot of people don't know is that most companies defang their rattlesnakes and that's super inhumane and cruel. And so I took the opportunity to find uh, opening or, or something that was needed and we created an ethical way to train your dogs so that the rattlesnakes are still happy and healthy. And one of the neat parts is I actually get to see this rattlesnake up close a lot, unfortunately a lot, and <laughs> it's it's a legit a rattlesnake. How do you get the rattlesnake? Because this is interesting. I know. Oh, don't. <laughs> it's legit a rattlesnake. No, but I mean it is. Like I don't know. You see. Again, God bless you because those things it's terrify le- me. It's right in front of you. It it's not something I see all the time. I'll see it every once in a while out in the wilderness. Yeah. But it's not something I see every. And like all the time up close. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, they're they're extremely beautiful. The closer you get to them, the more you're mesmerized by them. I mean, I grew up in Utah, as you know, in the same house as you. Oh, weird. Um, I have I have never seen. I've only seen one rattlesnake in the wild in Utah, um, and I was looking really damn hard for it. So I'm also really unlucky. I think they know that I love them, so they're like, ah, stay away from that crazy girl. Because um, I've seen but, three, and I've sent you pictures of two of them, right? Y- yeah, yeah. And they're beautiful, and you're lucky. But for me, you know, not that lucky. But I actually got mine in uh, New Mexico. It was um, it needed to be rehomed, and so I got her, and she's super spicy, which is perfect. Okay, now you just glazed over everything, which everything. I appreciate that you're that humble. Like, oh, you know, she needs to be rehomed, so just ground her, and blah blah. I don't think people realize you. You didn't just, like, you literally just grabbed her. Like, you went and actually captured a rattlesnake. You didn't purchase this rattlesnake from some dude on the side of the road. You captured a rattlesnake. Yeah, but I mean, it's really not as cool as it sounds. I'm a pretty safe handler. I use hooks and tongs. I'm, uh, you know, pretty standard. The only difference between me and other reptile people is I have all my teeth, and I don't live in my mom's basement. But <laughs> Hey, I live in my mom's basement. Easy. <laughs> Your mom's basement? What? <laughs> your, your mom. 
Yeah, it was actually, uh, I didn't get into reptiles till you were out of the house. Yeah. So, I didn't even hold my first reptile until I was 20. I was too afraid of them. Um, and then, it was actually a lot of it, because you had those little green lizards, the little gnolls, and I remember its tail falling off. And In the bathtub, know, too. In the bathtub, and it was scarring. And whenever they died, you put them in that little brown box. <laughs> cigar box. Him, the cigar box. And put Get it with my friends. Yeah. Yeah, that did it for me. Mm. But Sorry for scarring I 20, you. When I started working at the aquarium, I got really into snakes. I actually um, hid the snakes in the closet at home until Dad saw it, and then he kicked me out. There you go. Yeah, Story of every rebellious, uh, ripped, rip, what do you call yourself? Uh, reptile enthusiast. Reptile, <laughs> story of every rebel reptile enthusiast out there, right? Dad catches yeah, their, their snake stash and kicks them out. <laughs> Which is what will happen to my kids if I ever find reptiles. Be like, it's either you or the reptiles and you make the choice. Because they terrify me. Why couldn't you just have weed in your closet like a normal kid? <laughs> Because, I mean, Dad used to bring home snakes he hit with cars all the time. And whether that was just a look at it, look what I'll do if you bring home a snake. But, <laughs> you know, he, he tried. <laughs> yeah, my kid bu- keeps bugging me. He's like, Dad, can I get an iguana? Dad, can I get this reptile? I'm like, no, they terrify me. No, we're not <laughs> doing this. Little, little dinosaurs. So Hi. there are some cool facts about you that I think maybe I made up or... <laughs> <laughs> Or you're just not talking about them. I don't know. You had how many followers on Instagram during your heyday of of snaking? During my heyday, I had close to about a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. I don't even have Instagram, so I can't tell you. That's, that's a very, lot. That's very impressive. But that's impressive. And on top of that, one of your followers was a guitarist from a <laughs> famous band and bought a snake from you. Uh, no, so, um, Slash followed me. Wow. Yeah, so we talked a little bit, and then, um, I did trade a snake once for my tattoo, so, mm. in the, in the trading business. Gotcha. So Slash does not yeah. own one of your snakes? No, 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 no. He's just an, he's just an enthusiast <sighs> as well. I feel like that, that story should change right now, that Slash uh, does own one of your snakes. Should I just mail him a snake and not say anything so I can validate it? I, I think that that might be a, be a crime of some sort. So let's let's not do that. I don't want to don't want to have anybody get in trouble for this. Yeah, it might seem more like a threat than anything else. I like it though. I'm gonna mail you a snake I, out of kindness. I, I have tried to use my snake influence uh, before and it doesn't work. I think I messaged Jake Gyllenhaal on Instagram once and I was like, "Do you like snakes?" Ooh. Oh, wow. He did not respond. Well, I don't know why. (laughs) That's weird. Super weird. Try Tom Hardy. I feel like he'd be somebody that would respond and somebody I'd want to respond. Actually, I think Leonardo DiCaprio would. He he loves nature. I don't think I have the snake influence I used to. But now you have a different... Wait, before we jump off of your snake influence, I also have to say, weren't you also known by local radio as the crazy snake lady? Were you announced as that a couple times? (sighs) I mean, I have been announced as the crazy snake lady. I've had my news stories edited very poorly. Uh, There's a a news story once I did, and I've always been very adamant, like, hey, this needs to be educational. This needs to, like, show the snake in the right light. This needs to be positive. You can't trust them. And there is a footage out there somewhere of they cut my entire story they show a rattlesnake swimming in the water, and it just cuts to me going rattlesnake. I'm going on YouTube. And I'm find rattlesnakes. That. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> well, not right now, but I'm finding that. But but you've <laughs> sort of segued. You're still into snakes, but you've sort of segued yeah. into now being the crazy crocodilian lady, right? Yeah. So my job in Utah, I always really loved. Uh, I first kind of had access to big, large constrictors, and that's kind of what I got known for was, you know, being with the 12-foot snakes, the 20-foot snakes, uh, stuff like that. And then um, it kind of transformed into venomous. I got extremely into venomous snakes. I love them to death. I started working at a venom lab um, where we were making the anti-venom for all of North America. Um, So I was working there for a while, and then I had the opportunity to actually jump to what I was... um, way more passionate about in my life, which is crocodilians. 
um, because I had an alligator I worked at in Utah named Gatorade, and I worked with him for eight years, and I loved him, and I trained him, and my whole goal in life was to get him out of Florida. Um, so I actually had the opportunity to take Gatorade and take him to Florida and start a new career where I not only got to work with Venomous as well, but also um, starting helping start a nonprofit um, specifically for crocodilians and crocodilian research. That is amazing. So in what you're doing now, yes. talk about, well, I, I, I don't want to make you into like a, a circus act because I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm going down that road where I'm like, you jump on alligators' backs and stick your head in their mouths and stuff. I know you don't do that. I know you do jump uh, on their backs and stuff, but I hope so, you don't stick so your a, head in their mouths. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually a really cool evolution that I think you kind of go through when working with reptiles. Like whenever you start, there's different paths you can go down. And it's all about your mindset and how you decide to treat the animals. Because it definitely was, you know, I started, I got into it, gator wrestling was the thing. I went to Florida, I learned how to gator wrestle, I gator wrestled Gatorade. Um, and then there's a point where you reach a road and you decide if that's what you want to go down or if you want to go down the side of doing what's right for the animal. Because even though there's still, you know, gator wrestling is very cool and rich in culture. It, it, it comes from the Seminole tribe where they used to use gator wrestling to go out and be able to hunt alligators alone. Um, so gator wrestling comes from the need to hunt and provide for their families. And then when that was kind of taken away and their livelihoods were taken away, they were able to utilize it for money as well. Um, so all of that's still really amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, me wrestling an alligator and Salt Lake City, Utah is not doing anything for me or for alligators. Um, so definitely decided to go down the path more of what's right for the animals. So stop the gator wrestling, turn a lot more towards training, um, letting the animal live as naturalistic as possible, but still having them um, trained enough or around people enough that working with them is safer. And not to uh, jump in on, on the gator wrestling aspect too much, but you have a connection with a pretty famous internet video of a young lady getting uh, her hand caught uh, yeah. and then a, a dad jumping on the back and wrestling the gator and uh, it's funny because I watched that video when it first came out and I was like hold up isn't that the place Haley used to work at and yes. <laughs> yeah so that's actually an alligator I worked with a lot Darth um I worked, he was one of the first alligators I ever put hands on. When I first started working there, he was only about two feet. Um, he's a super cool alligator. We had uh, Gatorade, who's older, and Dark, who's younger. Um, Gatorade is super sensitive. If you offend him, he'll kind of like soak away from you for the week and take a break. Darth is an animal who constantly learns and adjusts. So he's definitely smart and he's kind of a vindictive little asshole. Um, so he's definitely one that's going to take advantage of a situation, and that's exactly what he did there, unfortunately. Oof, yeah. I mean, the only the only thing that, the cool takeaway, I mean, Snoop Dogg shared that video. I was like, oh my god, Snoop Dogg shared it. <laughs> I was like, why why couldn't I have been bit? Please share <laughs> my video. <laughs> Actually, getting to that, I've got a question. Um, yeah. As somebody who's obviously terrified of reptiles, how safe is it to actually work in like with venomous or with alligators because to me it's like i see them and my fight or flight response and i'm <laughs> i'm hauling it the other way i mean yeah. you don't really hear about a whole lot of oh so and so got their armpit off like you do with like joe exotic on the tiger king or whatever but yeah. i can't uh, imagine it's super safe either so uh, it really depends on the situation how you're working um experience and mindset like i said um so with venomous for me it, it's whenever you get into something like extracting where i was that is an inherent risk because you're actually putting hands on the animal um and that was a necessary thing when you're just working with them day to day there's really absolutely no reason to put hands on them uh, at least uh, on the dangerous end of their body certain species you can get away with tailing them and it actually makes it safer um, but to me, that one is not really like as dangerous because I'm using tools as an extension of my own arms. And I just think with that one, it's all about like safety precautions and knowing your limits and knowing the animal. And that one, you're, you know, more or less pretty good because you're never really pushing that envelope too much. 
Um, crocodilians, I think it can be a little bit different because they're so much faster, quicker. I mean, they'll they'll do something on you know the. It depends on the species. You'll have a species that you don't really know, and then all of a sudden it, like, jump, hop, spins, and it's up near your face. But again, there's always precautions you can take to make it a safer environment. It's all about how you push it and what you decide to do. I always err on the side of caution. So sometimes I'll look at people doing really cool stuff, and I'm like, man, I really wish I could do that. But there's a side of me that just is, like, full self-preservation side. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have literally seen you stick an alligator's whole muzzle underneath your chin and like use your chin to hold its trap shut. Okay, that was basically <laughs> the rat. The rat was a. You put an alligator next to your jugular and then you're like, oh no, but I'm very cautious. I I am very cautious. There's also a big difference between working with an alligator and now when I'm working with um, 20 species of crocodilian which there's only two species of alligator. So that means the other 18 species I'm working with are majority of them being crocodiles, which are tenfold more dangerous than alligators. So is it they're more dangerous because they're bigger or they're more, they're more dangerous because they're more aggressive? What makes them more dangerous? Uh, the mandula oblongata. Um, <laughs> now I'm thinking of water boy. The mandula oblongata. <laughs> Crocodiles are just a lot more aggressive. It really doesn't matter on the size. Like, to me, like, a six-foot alligator is a lot more dangerous than, like, a 12-foot alligator. Not necessarily being grabbed, but by they're just, like, so much more agile. They can jump a lot higher. Um, Crocs, they're just, you know, they're scary at almost any size. They're aggressive at almost any size. They can still be, like, um, understand routine and understand procedure and training. Um, But back to your point of Tiger King, I really think one of the biggest differences is... Uh, mammals you tend to you know see yourself in them you tend to let your guard down a lot the only animal I've ever truly been attacked by was a mammal Um, I think you just like see cute you see fluffy you kind of let your guard down and that's when it happens with reptiles was it a pangolin that attacked you no a pangolin no those little artichokes they're I just you said you saw you you know you see yourself in those animals and I don't know, I picture you uh, a pangolin, like, you have that hard exterior, no. but deep down... I got attacked softy. by the lamest thing possible. I got attacked by a kawatamundi, which is just a fancy raccoon. A, a wait, what? A, a kawa- trash panda. A kawatamundi? Uh, yeah. A kawatamundi. Uh, a kawatamundi is a South American raccoon, essentially. They're adorable, but I, like, was doing my zookeeping. This is when I was in Texas, and I, like walked in and we had opened and his name was Diego and he all of a sudden just attacked me like all over my body there's this little girl watching me with her mom and she's like oh my god is it attacking I'm like no <laughs> of course not it's he tickling me. me and the second she took around I took the feed bowl which is just like this round tin bowl and I just like thunk, smacked him against the wall and left <laughs> Again, that just sounds terrifying to me. Like, yeah, it's the little things. Like, I, I, for me, for me personally, it's the little things that could just all of a sudden spring at your face. There's, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe because like my cats, my cats. grandparents, every cat I see looks like uh, they're about to spring in my face. See, my grandparents had a farm, and so I saw like how bad things can go real like quick. Like geese, not even geese. <laughs> it was cows, but I got popped in the face yeah. with a cat. With like, I got kicked by a cow. Not by a horse. It makes a lot of sense. By a cow. You look like you've been kicked by a cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few times. No, that was no, just me being I a little mean, bit too aggressive, like the uh, yeah, like the crocodile. Mammals are the one that gets you, though. Crocs are they're ter- they're scary, but you keep yourself in line pretty well with them for the most part. And um, you know, there's definitely those bites that go on, but a lot of times they're out of the country or it's kept pretty well quiet. So I got another question. Being a jackass generation guy, the I just saw my first. I'd never seen jackass before. I just what? watched it for the first time. I watched Jackass Forever. It was the first jackass I've ever seen, and I had never seen so many penises in my entire life ever. Yeah. Oh, me and Drew have both been in you know gym locker rooms and that. Oh, okay. That you kind of get used to it, but 
Okay. There was a stunt where Steve-O tightroped over a... You remember this stunt that they did? Over the, like, giant yeah. gator pond. And they were, like, jumping and, like, trying <clears throat> to get him. And yeah. I'm wondering, like, how much of that was staged, do you think? And then also, how dangerous was that for somebody that obviously isn't trained? Just somebody that's like, oh, yeah, let's give this a try. This will be good. If I, if I knew the facility, I could probably speak to it a little bit more. If you got a bunch of, like, chicken-eating, fat alligators, you you know, you may be fine just to plop in and swim away. But, I mean, no, absolutely. Like, for the most part, alligators don't mess with people. They don't see them as a food source. 90% of the time, if they grab a person, they don't actually eat them. They release them. But a lot of people drown because they'll drown their food and then release it because they're like, oh, this isn't food. But, I mean, if you frenzy an alligator, like, you, you plop in the water and they have no idea what you are, they're going to grab you. And traditionally, when somebody is bit by a crocodile or alligator, it's not so much that it's, like, going to pull their arm off or anything, but they have to immediately go, oh, that face means that (laughs) they definitely will. But it also... It's the bite, right? Itself, it's it's kind of like a bacterial infection instantly or something. Uh, no, I mean they, they have the strongest crocod- crocodiles have the strongest bite force out of any animal on the planet. I mean, an alligator can bite so hard they can bend steel. So if they're going to get a good hold on you, they can break bones. They can do everything like that. If it's an animal that's used to breaking up large prey, they think you're already dead, or they want to take your arm and go. Um, they can death roll, which will take your arm clean off. Um, that's not even a question but yes there is bacteria in it because they're dirty um so i knew a girl who was bit and you have to get extra strong antibiotics you can't tell them it was a dog bite it was this bite because they bite and they penetrate so deep and that bacteria gets in there they have specific antibiotics that are that are needed for those kinds of bites so i just looked it up it was in hollywood florida but they didn't give the facility name. name Yeah, but if I remember correctly, I think it was Gator World. Gatorland? Like, yeah, Gatorland, where they were. That sounds about like the right place they would do that. Um, I mean, there are alligators. They have big alligator par- farm uh, ponds. Most of them are chicken-fed. They're pretty associated with people. I mean, there's a chance one might bite, but like out here we have some Nile Crocs, and the second something hits the ground, like when we feed rats, one rat hits the ground, everybody frenzies. <clears throat> Honestly, out of all of our crocodilians, I'd be the most afraid to fall in there. It's like a raptor pit. Uh, do you feel like you're at Jurassic Park every day just going out there and seeing these giant... I mean, they're basically dinosaurs, right? Um, I mean, birds are more closely related to um, dinosaurs, but crocodilians, yes. Modern-day reptiles, no. Um, but crocodilians, yes. And... I just, like, they're the coolest animals in the world. You can never look at one and not be in on them. You can never, and that's the coolest thing about what we're building here and what we're doing, is we're literally the only place that I know of that is giving all these animals the room that we can actually see what they are. They're not concrete ponds. They're not tiny spaces. All of these animals run, they jump, they're athletic. Like a species like the Philippine has quickly become my favorite species which most people don't have Philippines. And the other thing is they're usually in small enclosures. Putting them in a big enclosure, they're the, the most athletic crocodile I've seen. And I can't wait to see how all the different species, you start to see their traits and their personalities and their skills whenever you get them outside of the normal thing that people have created where reptiles don't need a lot. They can just be put in a concrete tub and they're fine. Um, so that's what we're really doing, and it, it's just bringing crocodilians to life more. They're not something that you stare at and they don't move, and you're wondering what they're thinking. And honestly, <clears throat> I've seen pictures of the facility that Haley is describing, and it puts to shame every habitat I've ever seen, and not just reptile habitats, every habitat I've ever seen. This is, I mean, it's amazing what they've put together out in Florida, and just the sheer size of the facility but also the size of the enclosures it's yeah. phenomenal i mean in and what if somebody was going to go there i know are you guys open yet or you're you're about to open? Uh, we're not open quite yet i mean i'm really lucky to be here i have the experience from scales and tails in a limited capacity i would say my hobby or my passion really got me to this next level um, because my boss, um, Kyle Ostlund, I mean, he's he's the brains behind it. He's been working with crocodiles, you know, for 20 plus years. I mean, he really like, I wish I could take credit for anything here. The only thing I'm proud to take credit of was getting Gatorade into the facility he deserves, but again, still facilitated by my boss. 
because of his passions too. Um, but I just feel really, really lucky to be here. We'll probably be open. Um, we're doing it in phases. We're in phase one right now. And keep in mind, you guys, we have about 300 crocodilians. Um, so I have 300 crocodiles in my backyard right now. We have about um, 100 species of venomous. Um, and then we're going to be adding a couple other things that are going to be really, really awesome. Um, but I'd say in the next year, our nonprofit side um, is called JAWS, which is Jupiter alligator and wildlife sanctuary and then our for-profit side which is what most of our social media is right now is primitive predators so can we say primitive predators is a sponsor <laughs> yes you can probably say primitive predators not sponsor i will send you five dollars and we'll oh yes five dollars bringing money in already yeah. man you're welcome this program is brought to you by primitive predators <laughs> it's more than I ever got with from Byron to Floyd, so. Well, and uh, you, I, I, I'm I'm serious, guys. When this opens, everybody should go and check it out. I am 100% that I do not like alligators. <laughs> I do not like crocodiles. I do not like venomous snakes or green eggs and ham. But I will 100% go to this facility because it is they've literally built jurassic park that's what they've done they've built jurassic park in a modern day setting with modern day dinosaurs and you should definitely get out there and with the animals in mind i mean every single thing we built absolutely animals are the forefront and this isn't tiger king where you know like there's six tigers crammed in a cage or anything like that (laughs) this is legit like giant i I can't even describe it where can someone go to look it up uh, Instagram on primitive predators and to give you kind of an example here like Gatorade I believe education is important I believe alligators have their place in states like Utah um, I believe that their education should end though I believe at a certain size and a certain age they should get to go do what everyone does and retire in Florida um, so kind of give you an idea there Gatorade's enclosure now is roughly over 30 times bigger than the one his one in Utah that's amazing so, and I feel big. like we steered you Actually, into I've got talking one question about. You. Oh no! Okay. If uh, so, I know like certain types of fish, like I know goldfish, they grow to their environment. Oh no! She's shaking her head. So I didn't know You're if that was the same. You're talking out your ass. I didn't ass. know if that was the same with <laughs> alligators and crocodiles, or if that's just strictly like fish. No, they will. They will grow to whatever they're going to be. The more fucked up part is they will grow to their environment if you feed them and give them poor house. So people may think that because they have this small animal. Um, but it's more they're not giving it proper food, proper lighting, proper housing, so that animal is basically stunted. Uh, we see that a lot in captive animals, and that's another thing we're really working hard on doing, is being a resource of education. Um, because like I said, we do need animals in captivity um, to educate people. It's very important. I believe in that all the way to my core. Um, but these animals have been around for millions of years. I've literally seen a crocodile get half of its face ripped off. And then it just keeps eating like nothing happened. The face grew back. It has teeth coming out of it again. These animals can survive almost anything, but we are fucking them up in captivity. We are feeding them improperly. They look like bullfrogs. They're just these monstrosities. Um, you know, that's another thing we're really working towards is, yes, they will outgrow an enclosure, but the, the worst thing to me is that we can ruin them. These animals that have been around forever, we can just ruin them. Well, and that's um, like any animal. You look at dogs. That's, yeah. It's crazy. And, and we take pride in it. We're like, oh, look at that. <laughs> we bred this dog to not breathe properly. <laughs> it's beautiful. Have you ever seen an English bulldog? That's uh, one of the dogs I'm referencing. Yeah. <laughs> So, again, I, I feel like we have steered you into yes. talking about all of this. The yes. real question is, what is what is your hobby outside? I mean, is that your <laughs> hobby? Is that your life? I We did this with Brandon a little bit, too, where yeah. we were like, oh, woodworking, blah, blah. And then he blew our mind with, like, some crazy outlandish hobby. This is what he does. Yeah. Tune in to um, episode one for that. It's hard. Because uh, work is my hobby. I would say the past couple of years, it took up my entire life. It's all I like thought about, dreamed about, breathed, because I was trying to just keep getting to the next step. 
Um, I do believe I've gotten where I belong. And, um, you know, when I was in Utah, I had to take on two to three jobs just to support myself there. So my whole life was working reptiles here and my business, of course. And um, here I feel like I've gotten to relax a little bit and actually get back into my old hobbies, which were always hobbies when I was a kid as well. I am, as Drew said earlier, extremely average at everything. I do everything just averagely. Um, but since moving to Florida, I have gotten back into art. I have gotten back into dirt bike riding. I have gotten back yeah. into horse, horseback riding, and I have started playing volleyball again. So Hell yeah. So A little bit of everything. Of those hobbies... Yes. I know from your, uh, well, just growing up with you. (laughs) (laughs) So you were very into all of those hobbies. So what rekindled, I mean, you could pick one or just go generic. What rekindled those hobbies for you? Um, Definitely having time um, and a little bit more resources to actually be able to do again. I'm getting to do things, especially the horses. I'm getting to do things I never thought I was going to be able to do again. Because when you're a kid, you have all these hobbies that your parents pay for and specifically for me you know they gave me art to lock me in the closet they gave me horses <laughs> so i'd leave the house um so like a lot of things that they kind of want you and then you are you there yeah oh All beautiful right. okay yeah we're, we're back leave off. you left off on parents paying for their hobbies yes and i was telling drew oh. that i get my kids into their hobbies to hopefully fund my retirement so i don't know. know how much yeah. of this we're gonna have to edit out um again my editing skills are shit so we're probably not gonna edit any of it out <laughs> you you edit i never did that when what we were doing my first, first podcast it was great i edited all the uh out of it <laughs> okay so back to your hobbies yeah, so it's kind of saying, like, uh, as you become an adult, all of a sudden you don't have the time, the resources, the funding um, to kind of continue your hobbies. is difficult. Um, for And so I, I feel like I've been very fortunate to get to do things I never thought I was going to do again, especially specifically the horses. But that was a total, like, I hadn't ridden horses seriously since I was in high school. And I, I had a horse. I rode all growing up. I actually had to go get a trainer because my brain had adjusted so much to reptiles where everything's hands off and like um, you want space between you and your reptile. Horses is the complete opposite. And it's fucking terrifying because you have to be as close as possible to this animal. And like there's way more deaths from them in the U.S. than there is by alligators or sharks or anything else. And these animals weigh as much as a car. so it was so strange for me mentally to make this flip of now all of a sudden i'm supposed to be close to this animal i'm supposed to be really hands-on with this animal so it took me a little bit to kind of rearrange my brain from being on reptiles for so long and off of horses that's awesome i'm glad from a brother standpoint i'm glad that you got (laughs) back into horses because that i'm not gonna say was your life but it was definitely a big huge piece of your identity for a long time so it's cool to see the getting back up on the horse <laughs> yes exactly and you know i'm i'm very I, i've made the decision in my life to not to not have children I, I plan to never have children i have my amazing niece and nephew um you're welcome so i i, I you thank you i have no need or want for it and so i feel like that's what makes it also easier for me to cultivate my hobbies and do that i i could not imagine what how people do that or how people continue with also having to foster another person's interests and hobbies um because then all of a sudden you're like oh why can't you just do what i want to do but they're like no you don't (laughs) actually my one actually one of the guys i used to coach hockey with i was like man i go i miss my hobbies when i was a kid he goes dude just get your kids into the same hobbies you have Uh, i was like okay that works very true very true yeah you just try and instill those hobbies on your kid i brought I bought my daughter a small electric dirt bike in hopes that uh, one day I can get a, another dirt bike. I just sold mine, so, and then get into riding with her. Um, it's okay. Her her cool aunt will come down and ride with her. There you go. You guys will <laughs> ride dirt bikes, ride horses, all the all the stuff that makes me wince when I see my yes. <laughs> daughter doing it. So now for the interesting questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I one of them is actually where's your hobby taking you and obviously it's taking you to a very good spot of you know actually getting paid for your hobby 
but um in how do you find a balance in in your hobby in your life it sounds like you're finally finding that with actually having time and actually having the funds and all of that but yeah I think one of my oh go ahead you seem like yeah oh no I was just gonna say you know for everyone for a really long time um I feel like I didn't know who I was I didn't know my identity was I'm very much a person who needs to have my identity in my job um I struggle a lot to just have a job and then go home and do my hobbies um and you know for a really long time not to throw mom and dad under the bus but I mean they didn't think that I could turn a career out of my hobbies and you know, it just seemed like another phase because I, I was a person of many hobbies growing up. So it just seemed like another thing Haley's interested in right now. So I'm very thankful that I was able to turn it into a career and able to be stable at it because I know that can't always be the case. And if you were to tell somebody in similar shoes to yours, hey, stick with your hobby, what advice would you give them in that sticking with your hobby mindset well it depends if you're a pedophile maybe stop that (laughs) (laughs) and you got mad at me for my jokes last week drew come on now (laughs) (laughs) Um, yes 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 that should just be number one if your hobby is that stop it you fucking pervert what you're welcome thank you Um, but my biggest thing is um for me personally school isn't everything don't give up work the three jobs and um like don't compromise on yourself for anything be a digger well i'm gonna say hold on somebody questioned my tattoo this is important okay (laughs) this is important and the reason this is important is because my sister and i share a bond like nobody else and that is we are both diggers and if that's confusing you let me enlighten you a little bit on uh, what a digger is. So, as this was put by uh, a father figure, <laughs> there are people that are intelligent enough to go to college, to get their masters, and then to flourish in life. And then there's my sister and I, who are <laughs> diggers, and we are uh, competent enough <laughs> to know we're dumb. <laughs> and keep trudging forward and keep keep digging digging. just keep digging and you know what this podcast is brought to you by (laughs) digging because it is a truth of life that there are people i.e the rest of Haley and i's family that all have masters and and degrees and such that will just be smart enough to figure out life and then there's people like Haley and i that just dig and dig our way out of the shit and dig our way through walls and you know what tom i know you want to say something but shut your fucking mouth with your masters and shit okay this is a digger conversation hey you know what just because i got accepted into georgetown's finance program doesn't mean tom you dig your way through a six-year communication degree, you shut your mouth. Uh, Excuse me, I can beat that. Look at me now, mom and dad, (laughs) living in your basement, and I have my very own (laughs) podcast that's not only sponsored by Utah Rattlesnake Avoidance, but also (laughs) by Primitive Predators. So, dig, dig, dug. The the ironic thing is, is I'm actually more into the digging... uh, industry than you are selling construction equipment <laughs> you can't just join our team tom yeah tom get out of our team oh fine then you're just the leader of the diggers <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who cracks the the whip you exactly are people no you got the shovels i get the excavator <laughs> <laughs> we're exactly. dumb enough to keep using shovels and you're over there with a remote control excavator <laughs> Oh my gosh. My son will really enjoy that we said the word excavator. Today's word is excavator. If your kid ever wants to, man, he's always welcome to come and see the uh, excavators of my work. This is how my son talks. You ready? (laughs) Excavator. (laughs) That's literally the only word he can, like, enunciate all the way through. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Now for even more fun questions. This is my favorite question. This is going to start with you, and then we'll just kind of round robin it. Has your hobby ever gotten you into trouble? Mine? Yeah. 
Any of them. Pick a pick a hobby. I mean, besides financial trouble, because horses, (laughs) dirt bikes, and an entire sanctuary of crocodilian will definitely get into a little bit of financial trouble. So let's just uh, exclude financial trouble. Okay. I mean, for for starters, got me kicked out of the house. That's true. Um, That was a very quick one. Um, Got me to lose respect from my parents. That one kind of quickly followed. But, I mean, other than that, nothing nothing too much. Usually my mouth gets me in trouble, not my hobbies. In case people don't know, um, and I hope you wear this as a badge of honor, uh, you're the biggest bitch I've ever met. And I mean <laughs> you that. Sure in, you want to say that? <laughs> I mean that in all great ways. If I was ever in a predicament where I needed somebody to just completely wreck somebody verbally, you were the person that I would 100% want on my team. And I've seen it. Oh, it's amazing. I appreciate that. Yeah. Take, take that as a compliment, even though it doesn't sound like one. <laughs> That's what I've been doing my whole life. Right? <laughs> That's the life of a digger. Exactly. You're just, you're just taking those not compliments and flipping them around, looking at the yeah. bright side. <laughs> I may be done. Look at this hole. <laughs> six feet wide, six feet deep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you guys have? What's gotten you in trouble? Thomas, what was your hiking? When has hiking ever gotten you in trouble? God, okay. So during like the, the lockdown phase of the pandemic... Me and my kids would literally go on a hike every day. Not figuratively? No, not figuratively. Okay, good. Like, we would literally go uh, out, literally. go on a hike every day. Well, we were up, we were going up Mount Olympus one day. Well, we'd gone up this certain trail like five times. I was like, guys, let's go off. Like, let's just kind of explore. I'm like, this is the fun part of hiking. Well, we're going up the side that's facing 215, okay? So as you're going around 215, we're going up that face. Well, we take a break. My then nine-year-old son is getting ready to step down and I see something just slightly move and it's a gopher <laughs> snake and I'm like oh my God. watch your and then literally he backed out and we all bolted in different directions I'm like you guys oh go God. up that way get away from it and I went the other way and then we met up on the trail you were making this snake lady cringe yeah he almost stepped on it and I saw it just like and thankfully it was still cold so it wasn't like fully awake it was kind of in hibernation mode but i was like oh my god and then we looked up what the species was and yeah it was a gopher snake and we kind of this this story is how the snake's hobby of sunbathing almost got him killed yeah (laughs) yeah it was it was needless to say he still talks about he goes i almost got bit by a gopher snake i'm like easy there ben i'm like we don't want to freak people out i'm like and i don't need these you know Department of Child Protective Services coming in, like going where? Where were you guys going? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. no, that gopher snake's like I almost got stepped on by this huge guy. <laughs> this poor gopher snake. <laughs> he was terrible. Flipping the script completely. Here we had a nine-year-old boy that was a victim, and now all of a sudden it's a gopher snake. It's going home to his family. This giant almost stepped on me. So now, as a person with a lot more expertise and knowledge i mean had my son stepped on that gopher snake how much damage could that have done to him to the son or to the gopher to the son back oh your son nothing that poor snake would have a broken back broken ribs Uh oh i wouldn't have lived oh really yeah i mean a year it depends on i mean maybe not i don't know how hefty your son is probably not but it would have hurt him for sure Okay, so they don't like because what I was reading, and you know, granted, they go worst case scenario is like they make these hammer bite attacks, and I don't know if that was complete bullcrap. <laughs> hammer or, bite like hammer this, bite? a hammer bite. Like basically, it so bites, now, lets, and then just keeps coming back. Going back to the to the expert here, Haley, shed some light on this hammer bite attack that a gopher snake. Again, this came off of this vicious hammer bite attack. Wise ass. Are you sure it doesn't like mushroom stamp people? Like that's its attack. That's a completely well, different time. That that would be called a cloaca stamp, but, ugh, uh, ugh. or a hemipene stamp. Ugh. Um, ugh. To get back to the the hammer attack, <laughs> um, I mean that thing would have just been scared. Even if you bit your son, he wouldn't even need a band aid. Like oh wow, okay. Uh, 
their bites are nothing. I mean, they're constrictors. Constrictors are made to grab their food and pull it in and wrap it. Uh, so their strength is actually in their body, not their jaws. Um, now, if you got, you know, bit by a giant reticulated python or green anaconda and they're grabbing and wrapping and rolling, like, yeah, you're, you're going to get some large wounds. Or, but uh, gopher snake is just going to be like, oh, what was that? I mean, but I'm not making fun of you here because if I still go out, I walk out all the time and, a, like, a black racer will go get, or like, across my foot. But what the fuck was that? You know? Like, yeah. I, nobody likes to be startled even if you love the animal. So I totally get it. But the, the hammer attack, I mean... And again, this is coming from a guy who his dad like instilled the fear of God about snakes. It's like, don't be the first through the Quigley. You don't want to be the ones that gets bit. I'm like, oh God. (laughs) Yeah, I get it though. Oh, I'm sorry. It says it attacks with a closed mouth to scare off predators. Mm, The old hammer closed mouth. (laughs) And that's... I'm trying to. All right. Well, that poor snake is the end of the story. <laughs> well, there. he did not get stepped on. No, everybody was happy and was able to go back to their habitat at, at the end of that. Good. But yeah, that definitely was a uh, highlight for my for my <laughs> nine year old, now eleven. Well, I'm glad that's the only trouble you've ever gotten in hiking because. Oh, there's been lots of others, but yeah, I thought I'd try okay. and tie it into the episode. Oh, look at that! Full oh, circle. Love it. Film school yeah, coming to pay you- off. Now we'll take Drew, who's going to make it all about himself, with some outlandish story with lots of high-pitched talking. Oh, that I look at him! <laughs> First off, I started the show off with my, uh, has my hobby ever got me in trouble? Uh, yeah, true. I fractured my rib and bruised my spleen. That hurt. That well, was not fun. What uh, drinking hobby? Well, we don't need it. I, I wouldn't start off with saying I have a hobby of drinking. It's never okay, gotten me in trouble. Problem. I'm a fun drunk. Everybody knows that. Okay. Everybody's like, Drew, man, he's a fun drunk. Unlike your friend Tom, who's a quitter. Yeah, <laughs> quitters. Yeah, no, that's it, basically. I All mean, right. for me, it's just been a lot of physical injuries. This is the second time I fractured a rib. First time I ever uh, bruised my spleen, which is fun. Uh, I've had plenty of fractures in my shins, a lot of contusions, which don't sound that bad, but then you get them and you're like, blech. Uh, <laughs> plenty of concussions. So, I would just say that that's it. Has this is going to be the the finale question? So make it big. Okay. And All right. I think we're just going to ask Haley this one because honestly, um, I can't foresee martial arts or hiking getting out of control. But has your hobby ever gotten out of control? Have you ever stepped back and been like, "Oh God, I have so many snakes." <laughs> I have so many snakes. <laughs> I have so many snakes. Slow about. Um, I mean, when I worked at the Venom Lab, I'd definitely say there was more, there was more times in that situation where I felt a little bit more out of control. When I'm in my own element, I definitely work a lot slower and a lot more cognizant of everything going around um, or going on. Um, In the Venom Lab, I was, especially in the beginning when I was training, I was an extractor's assistant, which means like I handle the snake, I bring the snake, he's the one who pins it. I have the tail, he extracts, and then he lets the snake go and I take it. Um, There was a time that, um, and this was a time the closest I ever felt, and it was also one of my coolest moments for myself. Um, But we had a Mojave rattlesnake, which is a neurotoxin, which are um, a lot lot more dangerous than some of the other rattlesnakes, and it was just being crazy. It was whipping around and bucking, it was pissed. So he extracts it, and it's usually his job to tell me if it's too far out of the tube where it can reach around and bite me. And he was panicking, or not panicking, I'm sorry, he didn't panic. Uh, he was just, the snake was going crazy, so he throws it down on the table, and it whips around and launches at me off the table towards me, and I saw my hand attached to the tail. Um, and that's a lot of times where people end up getting bit, especially with crocodiles. Your brain, a lot of times, isn't quick enough to tell you to release your hand, because you usually react and you don't let go. Um, so it turned, came extremely close to me. I let go. It was falling to the floor. And in the same moment, I happened to grab a pair of tongs that was to the left of me. And I caught the snake in midair. And, like, that was my coolest moment along with my scariest moment. And I definitely had some, like, swoob and some, like, swass going on after Ugh, that one. Thank you. Like, it was butt pucker. So would you say the fact that you weren't hysterical saved yeah. you right oh, there? Oh, uh, for sure. Sh- 
for sure. I think my digger mentality is the same thing you say whenever people say, <laughs> like, you're, you're such, you're so good at boxing because you don't close your eyes when you're hit when it's really just like you're too dumb. Yeah. Um, That's a fact, like, a actually. Lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times I'm just too dumb to register, like, the danger that's happening. And there'll be moments that I'll stop and go, this is really dangerous. And then I literally just throw it out my brain and I'm like, okay, I can't think about that. So I do think, like, that digger mentality is what allows me to like uh like navigate through these situations and i mean my my douchiest moment you're just trying to cut me out of my big finale dude i was just telling tom you were like my douchiest moment and i leaned forward to listen and then you you went away i think we both did we're both like oh i want to hear this (laughs) It's a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. My douchiest moment, which comes from, I think, you know, like that digger mentality, turning off your brain, not handling things. And that's the biggest thing is not handling things. Uh, is uh, A couple years ago, I got in a car accident. You know, my car flipped. I had to climb out of the back of the car. And a couple people stopped to help me. And this lady was like freaking out. She said, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Why aren't you freaking out? Are you not freaking out because something's wrong with you? And I just looked at her, and I was like, I handle dangerous situations every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I was just in shock, and that's why I said that. And I was like, oh my god. I was so douchey. Listen, lady. I handle worse shit on my day job. <laughs> Did you have a cigarette that you just flicked at her face, too? Yeah. It, it's also why I can't go into zoos because I get really frustrated when they give me facts and I'm like, I know more than you! And I walk away. <laughs> Your facts are lies. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Well, hot dog. Uh, <laughs> this has actually been, I think, I, I'm not going to say it because I know Brandon might listen and he's going to get upset. But I had way more fun on this episode and I learned way more on this episode um i'm just my voice isn't soothing it's erratic it makes me feel like you just did a lot of drugs yeah you're you're very uh you're like the female charlie day it's great oh that is the biggest compliment you could have ever given me right i feel like he might be a bouchard i will have have, uh milk steak with my jelly beans over hard please yes yes (laughs) yes well I think we have reached our uh, enough time to call ourselves a podcast time. So, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. One ounce pour. Um, we are going to attempt. And Haley, if you can send me five dollars and the uh, links in <laughs> 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 the links to uh, both of your websites, and what we'll do okay. is. At the uh, end of this podcast, we will have links to the website, so you can go there if you're ever in Jupiter, Florida. Mm-hmm. Go on down to Primitive Predator. Check out their wonderful facility when it opens. Uh, drop my name and get $5 tacked on to your uh, ticket price so that Haley can pay me $5. <laughs> Also, uh, if you're a pedophile, just stop that. Yeah, don't. It's the wrong kind of predator. Yeah. Okay. It, it means like, you know, alligator predator, like predator, but, yeah. but who? Predator. Who will Chris Hansen hunt? Chris Hansen. What? <laughs> to catch a predator, man. Oh, see. Why don't, why don't you have a seat? See. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That would be. F- that would be like a funny crossover. Like Chris Hansen goes to the primitive predator. <laughs> So, oh, who who are all the Zimas for? Hmm? Who are all the Zimas for? Hmm? Because these are just alligators and crocodiles. She says right here she's 14. <laughs> 14 feet long. <laughs> Big old girl. Well, thank you again for your time, and yeah. thank you for hanging out. Yeah, see you, see you next Christmas. <laughs> Good old family times. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.